Trump universe, a post-Trump on Twitter universe, and I think I'm having to unlearn the myriad of toxic ways I've spent the last four years, being, you know, simultaneously emotionally exhausted and unable to stop watching the movies. I spent the weekend cleaning my house to celebrate and watching a Star Wars movie marathon, much thanks to TMT. They know drama, and now I know the only thing that's ever on TMT besides movies from the 2000s is their show, Snowpiercer. You would also know that if you watch about 10 minutes of TMT, because that's the only advertisement they have. I'm only slightly exaggerating, and seriously, I'm really glad Jennifer Connelly and Sean Bean have jobs, but I haven't hit such a quarantine slump that I want to watch people stuck on a train in an otherwise uninhabitable post-apocalyptic Earth. I had a hard enough time trying to decide if I'm going to actually finish watching this season of The Bachelor. It's thoroughly possible that I'm going to spend such hammer time on Matt Fugan, making everyone refer to her as the princess, who will only be slightly less unhinged than, say, 74,216,722 people, which is totally just a random number. Don't Google it. I made a spurt through the first original movies of Star Wars, so the first three, I guess that's the last three, but regardless, before the movies marathon did come crashing down around 1.30 a.m., partially because Carlos finally retired and partially because of Jar Jar Binks. He, like the old Navy full of sweatpants I'm currently wearing, but Adrian, who manages to be a near-lethal cocktail of stereotypes and being the most irritating person to ever walk the Star Wars the real question is not whether Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord or not, but why it took 16 years for George Lucas to write a script that largely involved a hapless character appealing only to small children. I know that he only appealed to small children because I myself was an elementary age school child who got to see this movie in the theater. It was very exciting. I have fond memories. I got to go with an aunt, an uncle, and a cousin who are all well-versed in the ways of the Force. True Jedi masters. And they had enough Jedi mind powers to avoid saying how terrible Jar Jar Binks was in front of me until they dropped me off at home. In which case, I'm sure they totally let him have it. But lately, I've been feeling like Carrie when she's dating Adrian. She wakes up one morning in season three in in a cold sweat, feeling panicked, but realizing for the first time, possibly in her whole life, there's nothing terrible happening in that exact moment. But there should be something wrong. One does not simply sleep through the night. Like, what am I missing? Oh, that's it. We're in the 11th month of living in a pandemic. Thank you, anxiety. I could have gone God knows how many months of complete peace without realizing it. Today's episode is the second and final in a series about the Saturn is moving through the signs over the years the show aired. 
and Saturn sees the sun, it activates a different house in the pilot episode Earth Dawn. Saturn reading signs means that also tuning into a different house and with highlights, different obstacles, setbacks, and general themes that apply to that house. As a refresher, the birth chart I'm using as our starting point, and then I will compare against other season movie premieres from the pilot episode, which aired on June 6, 1998 at 9pm in the UK. The show is a fan of the sun, Sagittarius rising, Scorpio moon. This episode kicked off with Season 4, which aired on June 3rd, 2001, and put us, again, as always, in Gemini. The chart for the premiere of Season 4 also has Saturn and Jupiter both in the sign of Gemini. When we left off at the end of Season 3, Saturn was also in Gemini and was activating the 7th house themes of relationships. Jupiter was also in the sign of Gemini, but at the time it was retrograde, so it was less effective and definitely more about revisiting thoughts than moving forward, which is what Jupiter wanted to do. The fourth season premiered with Jupiter now being direct, and it gives us a much-needed optimistic reading to that Saturn touching on the original birth chart of the Sun and asking us to do some very necessary soul-searching. It's still about the heart Mars in 25 degrees of Sagittarius, which is conjunct the pilot episode's ascendant in 24 degrees of Sagittarius. Mars is the planet of war, sex, fighting, action, and getting right on top of the rising sign, which is our perceived vital gifts. Sometimes you'll hear this referred to as a bad gift, but it's still controlled right here now. I think we're not completely responsible for how things hit us, and so sometimes it's a good reminder to check in. So this transit is one we're all likely to experience every couple of years from now until the next transit, and it's a time that we might feel frustrated by how we're perceived or what our perceived self is. More constructively, Mars conjunct this transit can be a time where we feel those things and we decide to take action. Mars is a firm believer that once we decide something, we can do something about it. And while the concept of soulmates feels like a very Venusian topic, the four women making a pact to be each other's soulmates feels like Mars using its power to get things done for good. Screw what other people think. We're going to do what we want. Now, towards the end of season four, the themes around motherhood, which we've explored in previous seasons a little bit, really reach a fever pitch. In episode 11, Charlotte receives disappointing news about her fertility health, and Carrie struggles to tell Aiden that she had an abortion in her early 20s. But the astrology aired in August 5th, 2001 is really about the plot point of Miranda's unexpected pregnancy. Uranus in the pilot episode chart is at 12 degrees of Sagittarius, and it's forming in conjunction with this episode's moon in 20 degrees of Aquarius as well. So the moon is often denoted as our planet symbolizing our mother, and Uranus is about the unexpected. So an unexpected emotional change, and that's what that is. Interestingly enough, the fourth season took a few months off, so they split the season into two parts. The first 12 episodes aired starting in Gemini season, and the last six episodes started by premiering on January 6th of the next year, 2001. So this puts us in Capricorn season, and the chart for this episode has 
the sun and to receive some dosing. Now, the original shark has no chance of alcohol, but it does have ether and 25 degrees of Pisces, and that
and a lot of the things about the ninth house blossom in your personal viewpoints and also a model on a Times Square billboard. She even changes her name. 
Jupiter at this time will move into Virgo during the final episode of part one of season six. And we're seeing that shift from flamboyant Leo to more serious and reserved Virgo. Just as hot summer days make for cooler fall days, so the themes of the last three episodes seem to center around more serious cancers. Or I'm sorry, Carrie worries about Mr. Big having surgery. Miranda and her boyfriend Robert realize that Miranda really can't move on with him because she can't let Steve go. Charlotte tries acupuncture to help with her fertility treatments and then ends up suffering a miscarriage. Relationships or talking about difficult topics. 
But as in the lover of, an astro- of astrology, he can tell you the decision isn't exactly unexpected when you look at the chart. On the day the series finale aired, February 22nd, 2010, the moon was in 22 degrees of Pisces, and that is forming in conjunction to the series premieres Jupiter in 25 degrees of Pisces. Jupiter and the moon are leading up is all about good feelings, being social, and having a good time. There no, there's no need to fret from Belinda. She helps Steve's mom, who's had a stroke. She's a high-powered lawyer with a cool husband and an adorable baby. There's no time to dwell on Charlotte's struggles to become a parent because she's adopted and she has a show job. There's no need to worry about Samantha's breast milk. Happily pregnant with Nikki Frenchie. She's got a peer, fierce pixie cat and a cute boyfriend with a corgi named Short Jr. Very gratifying. And just forget about reminding Mary that she's getting involved again in the guy who's never made her feel faithful or respectful of her new boyfriend. So, let's get another random side point ahead to the movies, shall we? The Sex and the City film premiered on May 12, 2010. I'm using nine, uh, noon as the birth time, and actually London, England is going to be the birthplace of the movie. That is where the film premiered. Yes, that's right. It premiered in the UK on the 4th of February. I admittedly saw this movie with my friends in college, and when I graduated college a little bit after this, I moved into my first apartment and truthfully could barely afford my own apartment. It was just a little after the recession, so my first apartment post-college job was working retail, and I was very grateful to have it, but it meant I could afford absolutely nothing, especially not sleep, not for a while. In fact, I slept on an inflatable air mattress until I could get a real mattress, and this is all to say that for a while I had no cable of any kind. I did have a small collection of DVDs and a small television, and I used to watch this movie almost every weekend, not because it's an exceptional film or even requires several watchings really comprehend the themes of friendship, forgiveness, and love, but it was there and it was always different. So I'm weirdly apologetic for this movie because I know it's precious. The chart for the movie premiere was the A for sun and for moon, but more striking is the fact that a few of those inner placements in the chart for the movie premiere are eerily similar to the show's titles. This movie charted at Mercury in 13 degrees of Gemini, where the show had it in Mercury in 12 degrees of Gemini. Additionally, the movie has Venus in 14 degrees of Taurus, while the show had Venus in 9 degrees of Taurus. Also, Mercury in Gemini and Venus in Taurus are in the same placement because both of those signs are in their natal planet, like the planet that rules those signs, um, and that's the sign of Venus. Jupiter in the movie's chart is in Capricorn, and I think we can argue that it points to the financial success of the film because it grossed over $418 million worldwide. It's got the same quick-witted Mercury and Gemini effects, the same Venus and Taurus values, and it's been in this placement since the exclusively recorded host convention for the show's Jupiter in 25 degrees of Gemini, the expanding of a new and maybe unexpected chapter. And yet Saturn in the movie is in one degree of Virgo, closely conjunct the show's North Node, which is the placement of what we're meant to do in our lifetimes. The meetup between Saturn and the North Node asks, Maybe we're getting away from ourselves and our original goal, purpose, the things we want to do. Maybe the overtop planned wedding and the swanky rehearsal dinner and the Vogue photo shoot. And for heaven's sake, the ridiculous bird that Carrie insisted on wearing as a hairpiece on her wedding day. It was a little much. A fever dream of the original show and what it was about to become. The second movie I also saw. This actually was a thriller. The movie I had originally gone to see was sold out, and my my then-boyfriend, now-husband, friend of a friend of the pod, 
said he was okay with seeing this instead of canceling the movie for him. But he soon feels, quote, Abu Dhabi duped into watching something that was the media equivalent of a meeting that could have been in London. The second movie put a lot of cringeworthy plot points into 156 minutes. Some scenes, like Morgan standing up against workplace racism and trying to balance everything in her life, appear to be more independent in her mind. And Samantha grappling with how menopause will affect her life are all topics that I do think are worth exploring. But painting Mr. Big as unromantic and lazy seems to be getting Carrie's television, and Carrie is somehow considered cheating on his wife with a nanny, feel like really problematic. As does all of the culture clash with the mushroom customs that were part of Abu Dhabi, and the fact that they brought Amy back to remind us that Abu Dhabi is definitely not what you make it. The film premiered on May 27, 2010, almost 12 years after the series premiered on May 18th. It opened first in the United States, and I used Newman's first time in New York City as the birthplace for this story. In a fitting end, the movie is a Gemini Sun and Sagittarius Moon, echoing the show's Gemini Sun and Sag Rising Sides. Both charts have Jupiter in Pisces, and this conjunction is about expanding those feel-good vibes from the show into the final movie. But again, Saturn remains in Gemini, and it's opposing the show's native Jupiter. I almost feel like the fun and frivolity and frankly some of the plot lines that felt fine on a late 1990s, early 2000s television show didn't feel so fun and appropriate to the viewers of today's entertainment. I think there's also a shift into the newsroom themes of the final film, that the show and the first film had the strongly placed Venus in Taurus, but the second film has Venus in nine degrees of Cancer. Cancer and Venus is about security, the importance of career, the family, the love life, whatever form it takes on. The film is about women entering a different chapter in their lives and maybe having different values than their mothers had previously believed. Abundance and growth that so signifies sign Taurus are making way for stability and home and nurturing themes that Cancer really embodies. Miranda picks a different law firm and finds a better work-life balance. Charlotte's insecurities about her marriage and her nanny uh, are resolved. Carrie asks Big to give her something that symbolizes the connection and security they have, and he gives her a, a ring. And until two weeks ago, that was the end of the Sex and the City story. But before we touch on that oh-so-important reboot that begins filming in the spring, I have to sneak in a little Star of Fortune, Saki Sunshine Astrology. The internet and I strongly feel that each character symbolizes a different element of the zodiac. Samantha is bold and confident fire. Charlotte, intuitive and caring water. Miranda, practical and considerate earth. And Carrie, intellectual and ever-evolving air. So when I tell you that according to Wikipedia, Carrie Bradshaw was born on October 10th, 1966, you'll see that he doesn't fit in with this aspect. Now, could you argue he's a Gemini? Because... When she keeps saying, I had to wonder, or I found myself thinking, well, yeah, that's what Geminis do all day, besides telling you you're wrong on his story. But Carrie's love of impractical footwear and her love of musical therapy pushes firmly into the Libra camp. I think they got this one right. But that's where the good news ends. I'm going to take this from least to most important. Samantha Jones was born on April 28, 1956, which makes her a Taurus sun. Now, I do love a good Venusian ruled Taurus lady, but Samantha Jones is not one of them. Samantha Jones is Libra. She's bold, she's passionate, she's ruled by Mars. Do her brash and bold statements feel a little bit Sagittarian? Yes. 
does her love of bullcrapping and PR feel more like Theo? Well, yeah, but in my heart, Samantha is Mary. She's confident, she has a quick tipper, quick temper, and an even quicker wit. Charlotte York was born on January 23rd, 1957, meaning that in an alternate universe, she would have celebrated her birthday just a few days before this episode aired. That's an alternate reality where she's Aquarius. I like Aquarius people. They are smart, they take things kind, they are unafraid to pursue whatever weird hobbies or interests catch their eye. But Charlotte is a Cancer. She is romantic and feminine and intuitive, and Charlotte follows her heart to the ends of the earth. She has to be ruled by Mary. I'm sorry, she just does. And who else but a Cancer who works so hard to negotiate her beautiful apartment and win her divorce case? This poem is everything to her. And finally, Miranda Hobbs was born sometime in the month of July in 1967. Yes, as always, our beloved Miranda always puts the shortest straw. This birth month makes her either a Leo or a Cancer, which is weird because Miranda is a Capricorn. No one works harder than her, no one is more diligent than she is, and no one can beat her practicality and pragmatism. Miranda is an early bird, and she might come across as aloof, as so many Cabs do, but truthfully, deep down, she's incredibly loyal and kind to those she knows and loves. When Carrie gets her wedding canceled, Charlotte is comforted, while Miranda and Samantha tackle the details of moving her case, calling vendors, and doing what a Capricorn Aries queen does best, getting shit done. To conclude, I'm going to mention the reboot on January 11th, 2021. That's when we start. I don't know about you, but I had all but given up that there would be any additional projects for set in the city. And I have to say, this is a bittersweet announcement because Lisa Trout will not be reprising her character, Samantha Jones. And I think Samantha is a really important part of the show. And frankly, she is the you know comedic relief of most of the episodes. Now, looking at that day, January 11th to 2021, Uranus seems to be the planet of the universe. In the original birth chart of the show, Uranus was in the 4th degree of Aquarius. And I believe this moves into a time where Saturn and Jupiter are both in Aquarius. Saturn is in 2 degrees of the sign, and Jupiter is in 5 degrees. Now, I know it doesn't have to be 2, 5, 12. It's a little too big of an orb, so the amount of degrees in between those planets to be a true conjunction, I think 8 degrees is about there, and we're not ready there. But with that, it's, it's still worth mentioning. Uranus falls in the third house of the original birth chart, which rules communication. I think the planet of unexpected change being activated by the planet of structure, Saturn, and the planet of expansion, Jupiter, is a clear sign that this announcement was a long time in the making and, you know, had some good energy around it, that it was meant to be a surprise. It was meant to catch the general public off guard in its announcement. And just speaking briefly to the third house, which rules communication, I think this show quite literally spoke to at least one generation of women, and I think that that goes to that theme of unexpected third house communication. But, as Carrie would say, I had to wonder, was this going to stop here? So, whether you're a Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, or Cancer, dear listener, please remember that every But unlike so many of Carrie's seemingly rhetorical questions, I think you'll get an answer this time. So, whether you are a Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, or Samantha, dear listener, please remember that everyone and everything has a birth chart, that yours is a chart of fortune. 
Thank you for listening to Crypto Fortune. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, or want to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email me or reach out on Instagram. My contact information is in the show notes. If you like this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It helps other people find this podcast. And I will appreciate it more than the time Samantha gave Miranda her hair appointment and watched Brady for the afternoon. Chart of Fortune is researched, written, and hosted, and edited by me, Elise Wood. Special thanks to my executive producer, Hazel, who's also my dog, and her loud, squeaky donut toy for providing the mental anguish so missing in the post-Trump world.